Hello, everyone, and welcome to Special Ed Rising, No Parent Left Behind. I'm your host, Mark Ingracia, and I've been an active member in the field of special education for 35 years as a classroom teacher, tutor, parent trainer, consultant, and advocate. Thank you so much for joining me. This is a podcast for parents and caregivers of children along the spectrum of disabilities as an information hub and promoter for the advancement of people with disabilities in all areas of life. So if you're interested in learning about topics from the world of exceptional needs, educational services, health and wellness, fitness, nutrition for you and your child, and more, this is the place for you. If you like the show, please subscribe, like, comment, and tell your friends about it. And for some extra help to inform your journey, visit the resource page of my website, specialedrising.com. I would love to feature your success stories on the show, so if you'd like to contribute, please send them to my email so we can show the world what's possible. In this episode, I'll be presenting some evidence-based strategies for you to use in your home to help turn your child's negative behaviors into positive ones. After that, stay tuned for a tip of the cap, your exceptional needs parenting tip. Now, let's get ready to punch your card to another win. There are many evidence-based behavior management strategies that are used in schools that can also be performed in the home. I want to highlight a few that I feel are accessible for families who don't have the background and training of a teacher or behavior specialist or, in the moment of crisis, the support team. It takes a calm, cool, and prepared head to prevail at extinguishing an outburst, and you need to feel confident and equipped. And that is possible with these following strategies, some of which will have aspects that overlap. But before I begin, let me reinforce what I feel are the two most important structures you can establish in your home that can potentially alleviate behaviors in and of themselves. First is the creation of a predictable routine, morning, afternoon, or after school, and nighttime. And second is a daily schedule that your child can follow, review, and be reinforced for obeying. Both of these practices can lead to establishing some inner peace in your child and act to reduce the stresses accompanied by the unknown. Often negative behaviors are born out of inconsistency in one's day, not knowing what's coming next. If you are unprepared or running scared because you have no routine to follow and an actionable plan to deal with your child's upset, your random and inconsistent reactions along with a fear of escalation can indicate the cracks in your armor, and your child will learn that they can use this to their advantage through things like tantrums. That may sound strange to hear, but your kids are smart and they sense when an adult doesn't know what to do and They will push you until you give in because precedent has been set that you will. Routines and schedules will give you a guide to follow, and when it's clear to the child, you'll have less need to fear and more reason to start relaxing and feeling confident that you've got game. Having a routine and schedule can aid you in the creation and use of behavior management strategies. They'll support your routine and help your child to function within it. The first strategy I'd like to speak about is modeling. The reason I chose this to be the first is because, whether or not you're aware of it, you're modeling for your kids every day. The challenge for parents and teachers comes in being mindful of this fact and acting in accordance with the idea that they are the strongest influencers in their child's lives and and how they behave is right there on stage, lights, camera, action, every moment they spend with their child. Deciding on how you want your children to behave needs to be inherent in how you raise them. BehaviorUniversity.com defines modeling as the provider demonstrates a desired behavior or skill that the student imitates and eventually acquires themselves. 
Modeling is how we behave and the way we want to teach our children to behave. Modeling can be incidental, just living the truth of that behavior so your child sees it clearly and can copy it and internalize it, and it can be directly presented as well. You can take time out of your day to explain the behavior and then show how to carry it out. You can play games or model through storytelling and play acting, allowing your child to demonstrate understanding. And as you see the behaviors occurring, you can reinforce them with verbal praise as they master them. This leads me to my second strategy, reinforcement. Reinforcement rewards your child for desired behavior. BehaviorUniversity.com defines it as an event or activity that occurs after a student exhibits a desired behavior, which helps to increase the occurrence of that behavior. Types of reinforcers include tangible rewards, tokens, stickers, prizes from a prize box, snacks, etc. Then there's activity-based reinforcement, which can include things like extra computer time, time with mom or dad, helping to bake cookies, playing a game with the family, or going to lunch with friends. And then social or intangible reinforcers, which include things such as a thumbs up, hugs, verbal praise, smiling, facial expressions, and more. I'll include a whole list of reinforcers on my resource page. If you look back at my podcast episode catalog, you'll see deeper dives into behavior reinforcement. But what I want to say here about reinforcers is that in order for a reinforcer or reward system to work, you'll need to establish the behavior or behaviors you want to eradicate. I typically try to correct one at a time. Some sources say you can do more at the same time, but I find when you begin correcting one behavior, there can be a carryover to other behaviors that may self-correct. It's not foolproof. However, in the case of multiple behaviors, I would extinguish one before I would create new plans to address other behaviors. And that's just my approach. You can use token systems, punch card systems, stickers, candy, etc. Anything that can either accumulate or reinforce in the moment, leading towards shaping the desired behavior. A caregiver's tendency to appease a child's poor behavior in order to get it to stop can actually work to reinforce that negative behavior, making it more likely to occur. For example, in a story, your child begins to tantrum over a toy they want but can't have. You, as the parent, become overwhelmed by the pressure to not have the incident become a spectacle, where you're feeling self-conscious and don't want to look like a bad parent for ignoring your child and don't want the ugly, judgmental stares from people who are better than you. (laughs) Just kidding. So you give in and give your child the toy. Another type of behavior reinforcement strategy I want to talk about here is extinction. Extinction is an intervention strategy whereby you remove reinforcers of undesirable behavior with the intention of reducing the frequency of that behavior. The idea being that by withholding a reinforcer previously perceived by the child to be a reward for said behavior, the previously reinforced behavior is no longer reinforced, causing the behavior to no longer occur. More simply, if a child tantrums and always gets the iPad to calm him down, the iPad is most likely reinforcing the tantrum behavior. When a behavior that has a history of being reinforced no longer results in reinforcement, the behavior will decrease. From Applied Behavior Analysis, edu.org. Positive reinforcement is a way to encourage positive behavior. Negative responses to problem behaviors do not effectively cause those behaviors to stop. Instead, it's simple inaction or refraining from reinforcing an undesirable behavior, while at the same time using positive reinforcement to promote desirable behavior that causes problem behaviors to naturally die out. The last strategy I want to present is social skills training, and I present it here because I want to stress the importance of communication with your child. 
As discussed in the modeling intervention, interacting with your kids directly to teach appropriate skills and behaviors can go a long way in building your relationship and establishing trust and the confidence in your child to perform in a socially acceptable way, while still considering that we do not want to recreate your child to be something they are not. To the degree that they are comfortable saying hello to someone, for example, is who they are. If they're able to say hello when greeting someone, who cares if they make eye contact? That's not our job to change our children to fit the picture of what society says is acceptable or is typical. It's only for us to have them understand the rules of respectful, socially responsible treatment of others in their interactions. Social skills training is a behavioral approach for teaching children age-appropriate social skills and competencies, including communication, problem-solving, decision-making, self-management, and peer relations. Now, the younger you start doing this, is always best, but I believe it's an ongoing thing as your child develops. It often includes activities like role-playing, communication practice, and receiving feedback. Social skills training can be used by professionals such as teachers, special educators, speech-language pathologists, paraprofessionals, counselors, and psychologists. Training could take place in a school, clinic, or other community-based setting. Parents and family members also can be invaluable in supporting the learning, generalization, and maintenance of social skills by helping their child practice skills in the home and reinforcing the social skills they see their child using with family. This is something to discuss with your child's education team, where you'll want to establish yourself as a key player transferring lessons to the home. From AppliedBehaviorAnalysisPrograms.com In general, Social skills training focuses on the rules and behaviors that help individuals interact with one another. Some examples of skills targeted in social skills training programs include initiating conversations, greetings, social interaction, how to behave in specific social and community settings, understanding emotions and facial expressions, gestures and body language, assertiveness, and empathy. Social skills training programs vary significantly based on the age and skill level of participants. Here, as with modeling, we have, again, adult-parent-child direct interaction, which is wonderful. However, there is research touting the effectiveness of behavioral intervention technologies utilized to target social skills deficits using computer-based programs, avatars, and therapeutic robots. NIH.gov also includes mobile phones, the web, and sensors to support users in changing behaviors and cognitions related to health, mental health, and wellness. This is a fascinating and growing area, and with the advancement of AI, there are some pretty amazing tech aids on the horizon. But on the more simplified tip, the use of social stories, games, books, movies, family meetings, and more are within your grasp. Remember that your neurodiverse child is like any other child. They need to be guided, taught, and given the chance to fail in order to succeed. It's time now for a tip of the cap, your exceptional needs parenting tip. Today's tip comes from Lumen, Introduction to Psychology at courses.lumenlearning.com. I recall being confused by the meanings of negative reinforcement and punishment. What was the difference? The terminology can mess with you. So here's a definition to distinguish between the two that I hope will make some sense to you. Many people confuse negative reinforcement with punishment in operant conditioning but they are two very different mechanisms. Remember that reinforcement, even when it's negative, always increases a behavior. In contrast, punishment always decreases a behavior. 
In positive punishment, you add an undesirable stimulus to decrease a behavior. An example of positive punishment is scolding a student to get the student to stop texting in class. In this case, a stimulus, the reprimand, is added in order to decrease the behavior, texting in class. In negative punishment, you remove a pleasant stimulus to decrease a behavior. For example, when a child misbehaves, a parent can take away a favorite toy. In this case, a stimulus, the toy, is removed in order to decrease the behavior. I want to thank you again for listening to this episode, and I hope you'll join me each week to hear about topics new to you or close to your heart. I hope this podcast might inspire you to face your days more confidently, stirring a greater sense of self-love, mindfulness, and outpouring of goodness and positive role modeling for your children, while remembering to attend to the areas of your own mental, physical, and if you're inclined, spiritual health, enabling you to be all you hope to be for them. All music heard on today's show comes from Jason Shaw at audionautics.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Special Ed Rising and on my website, specialedrising.com. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends. You can contact me directly with questions, comments, or if you're interested in parent training through my email, specialedrising at gmail.com, or my contact pages on Facebook or my website. Also, let me know if there's anything else you'd like to learn more about. And until next time, peace and keep rising. (laughs) 